Hello, basketball fans. Justin here. Just before you listen to this great podcast that Matt and I have with Howard Beck, just want to let you know this was recorded before the big Kyrie Irving trade to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, But this is still a great episode as we discuss basically the whole Kyrie Irving saga and what the future holds for the rest of his NBA career and what's his dynamic like with the other players in the league. We also talk about LeBron breaking the scoring record and a lot of other things. This is a great chat. So just to let you know, um, this was recorded just right after Kyrie Irving announced his trade request. And we'll have a lot more concerning Kyrie Irving and his future with the Dallas Mavericks in future episodes of Hoopsology. So I hope you enjoy. In this edition of the Hoopsology Podcast, Justin and Matt welcome senior writer for Sports Illustrated and the co-host of the Crossover Podcast, Howard Beck. Howard brings his analysis to the bombshell news of Kyrie Irving requesting a trade from the Brooklyn Nets, LeBron's quest to break the all-time scoring record, and he has some thoughts about the Golden State Warriors and the Nets in terms of them possibly making some moves at the trade deadline. So stay tuned for that. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com. That's hoopsologypod at gmail.com. And follow us on all social media platforms. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional content. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast. And now, Howard Beck. And just wanted to initially, I know it just broke, so get your initial thoughts on this trade request and the impact of this. Yeah, you guys either have the greatest or the worst timing, I guess, uh, <laughs> for purposes of this podcast, because so the listeners know we had set this up days ago uh, <laughs> and then this happened. So congrats on uh, being uh, on the foresight, I guess. Um, I, I, I will. I'll be honest with you guys. When the alerts first came through and it's been reported by a number of different outlets uh, by now, I, I actually literally laughed out loud alone (laughs) in my home office. And I don't mean to make light of what this does to the Nets. I don't mean to make light of any situations surrounding this, but it's just kind of the, when you've been covering this league for a long time, and especially when you have a a character like Kyrie Irving, who it's just inevitable. It's inevitable. Every three to six months, something is going to happen. You don't know what it's going to be. There's going to be something. And I've written this. I've talked about it ad nauseum. I wrote a whole piece in early November amidst or in the wake of the um, him him posting the anti-Semitic film on Twitter. I wrote then the Nets should just burn it all down. Like this is over. This Mm. thing is already over. The Kyrie Kevin Durant partnership, this whole era, it's it's over and it was a failure. Just cash out now. And my this wasn't a reactionary thought by me. This was a let's look ahead. He's going to be a free agent in the summer of 2023. And this is in November. I'm writing this. Is there any chance in the world the Nets are going to really want him back? Short of winning a championship. And even then, maybe not. No, I don't think they want him back. Not after all the anti-vax stuff. Not after him never being available. Not after all the other things that he's put them through. So if he's not going to be back, and you might lose him for nothing, you might as well trade him now. Well, if you're going to trade him now, well, Kevin Durant came with Kyrie Irving. And this is supposed to be, you know, a, a... coming together in partnership with the two of them that to, to try to win titles in Brooklyn. Well, then Durant, who's already asked for a trade once, probably not going to be happy without Kyrie Irving, especially if you can't replace him with a player of Kyrie's caliber. Well, then you might as well be trading Kevin Durant too. And you might as well move both of these guys before something else happens, whatever that may be, a health issue, an injury, controversy, whatever. 
get whatever you can while you can now, because this thing is already over. You're not winning a championship was my belief back in November has not changed. Um, and the longer you hold on to them, the more risk there is that something else is going to happen. So yes, I, I kind of laughed today. This kind of a, a sardonic laugh, I guess, for lack of a better term off the top of my head. It's of course this happened. So of course this happened. And, and, and Kyrie started telegraphing this a few weeks ago when his agent slash stepmom put out the word that Kyrie wanted an extension. And I thought at the time, like, that's not giving him an extension. They, they're doing everything possible to, you know, take this slow, be patient, see where this goes. And if somehow he stays on track against all odds for another few months, and they make a deep run or maybe even get to the finals or maybe even win a championship, then you decide whether or not you want a long-term relationship with Kyrie Irving as the Nets. But until then, there's no way they're going to be bullied into or you know coerced into extending a guy who has caused them this much havoc. And here we are. Here we are on February 3rd, less than a week from the trade deadline. <laughs> and I mean, I just among the many other thoughts I had was, How's Kevin Durant feel right right about now? This yeah. is this is your best buddy who you've taken up for and defended, and uh, you know, or at least not condemned or or criticized publicly for all the different things he's done. Kyrie Irving torched last season. Kyrie Irving has, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, that's not solely on him, but Kyrie Irving has been a major factor in the Nets' inability to actually contend for titles with two of the best players in the game. And Kyrie Irving's the reason that James Harden wanted out or at least a primary reason. So I, I, Kevin Durant, why do you, what do you see in this guy? I know he's your friend, but my gosh, he's like wreaking havoc with your career and you're up mm -hmm. there in years and you're three years out or almost four years out now from your Achilles surgery. Like I, I, I would, I would pay a lot of money to know what Kevin Durant's true, honest thoughts are right about now. Yeah, it feels like with the Nets, I mean, for the last couple of years, it's it's been this will they, won't they situation, and then circumstances, chaos, kind of throw things to the side. Um, and, and with that, I mean, with this news being so suddenly before the trade deadline, it's it's also hard to imagine they get much value in, even if they can move Kyrie Irving at this point. Well, I think that's always been an issue, right? So even if the Nets had taken my advice in November, I always say, easy for us, us to say, easy for me to say, easy for me to say, burn it all down, blow it up. Um, I don't have to be the one to actually deal with the consequences of it or the logistics of it. Mm -hmm. um, but even then, and certainly now, it, there's a difficulty in getting value because Kyrie Irving has the talent of a top 12 to 15 player. But he is not, but that's not where you would rank him if you're ranking players you want in the NBA. Um, I was saying this to somebody earlier. He's not even, if you're talking about other point guards in the NBA, just point guards, there are a bunch of guys with a lot less talent than him that I would want instead of him. I'd take Fred Van Vliet ahead of Kyrie Irving. I would take Jalen Brunson ahead of Kyrie Irving. I would take Marcus Smart over Kyrie. Like, I, because you need a guy who's reliable, who you know is all in. And preferably, you know, is, is committed defensively too. Like Kyrie Irving's skill set is unmatched in the NBA. Unmatched. He's incredible and he's a blast to watch. But if you're trying to win championships, I, I think we've now seen multiple times through multiple franchises, he's not somebody you can rely on. And any team trying to acquire him is going to have that in mind. So one, you're getting him on an expiring deal and you got to think about whether or not you want to risk him walking away from you or 
the other risk, extending him and actually having him for multiple years. You, there's a lot of risks involved in trading for him. So what is his actual value? I couldn't tell you that right now, guys. I, I couldn't. I couldn't possibly speculate or predict what Kyrie Irving will fetch on the market if they trade him in the next six days. Um, I imagine it won't be much. I imagine it'll be far less than what his talent suggests. It'll be far less than what the Nets would like to get. But you know, you're at this point, you're you're just trying to, you know, you're just trying to solve a crisis again. Um, and they can call the bluff and say, no, we're not trading you. Um, and if we have to lose you for nothing this summer, fine, you might need us for a sign and trade to get where you want to go, by the way. So maybe, maybe you do still have to work with us this summer. Maybe we don't lose you for nothing, but if you choose not to trade him or can't find a deal that you like, now there's the other part of this. Well, now, now, just as you had over last summer, when Kyrie was bent out of shape over the lack of an extension and Kevin Durant had asked for a trade and then had to back away from it. Now you've got, once again, this cloud hanging over you where Kyrie's still with you, but you know he wants to be gone. And it's as, it's as public as can be that he wants to be gone. What does that do for team morale? What does that do for the cohesion of that locker room? I'm going to say nothing good, right? Like I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, absolutely. if, if yeah. Kyrie Irving is still a net the day after the trade deadline, it's probably not great for the esprit de corps of the Brooklyn Nets locker room. And that's going to manifest itself when they're getting knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. So right now, a lot of the discussions surrounding this whole Kyrie Irving saga, the latest chapter, is him going to the Lakers. In my mind, it seemed pretty ridiculous. There's no evidence towards that. It's just kind of, you know, fantasy storylines at this point. Is there any credence to that in terms of that's a possible destination for him to go? Is, is that Should that be taken serious? It absolutely should. It okay. absolutely should. Um, you know, LeBron made it known through channels last summer that if the Nets were going to move Kyrie Irving or if Kyrie, you know, Kyrie could have been, if you remember, Kyrie could have been a free agent last summer, but he was going to take a massive haircut salary-wise and he did not want to do that. But he was trying to make these threats of like, oh, I'll, He'll sign somewhere for the mid-level, ex, you know, uh, exception. He'll sign for the minimum. He'll sign for, you know, it's all nonsense. So uh, he decided to protect his money, um, which is a logical thing to do. But yeah, the Lakers were interested then. And I, I have to imagine they would be still interested now. Um, when I floated all this blow it up stuff back in November, and I talked to you know, rival executives across the league, and, and one of the ideas that we kicked around was like, would they do the, you know, Russell Westbrook plus whatever, one of the picks, you know, the, 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 um, you know, legendary two and Laker picks that they don't want to part with. <laughs> um, would Russ and one of those picks for Kyrie do it, you know? And the thing is uh, Westbrook's deal is so massive that uh, the Nets actually have to send another player, probably like somebody <laughs> like Seth Curry, who's actually a really good player. Um, that like, that's, that's a problem too, because then it's like, well, we have to send Seth Curry to match salaries. Well, you should be sending us even more draft capital or some decent young player, you know, I don't know, Austin Reeves. I don't even know um, that the Lakers don't have a lot that anybody would want. So, but yes, the Lakers, if LeBron wants a reunion with Kyrie and boy, um, LeBron, that's a big, a big leap of faith in yourself, but you know, <laughs> Um, but they, you know, listen, they, they went to three titles or three finals together. They won a championship together. They could have gone to more finals together. Had Kyrie Irving not weirdly asked out after yeah. the first three finals runs, like still to this day, one of the stranger things that's happened in, uh, in my career covering this league is a, is a player 
asking to leave the best player of his generation after three straight finals runs, including a championship. But he did, and he went to Boston, and it didn't work out so well, and then he came to Brooklyn. Um, so I, it's it, But yes, the Lakers are, are a potential destination. They, they seem like a very likely uh, landing spot for him. Um, my good buddy, Mark Stein, who, uh, of course writes for Substack these days and has a podcast that he just launched with Chris Haynes. Um, Stein just tweeted a little while ago that the Mavericks, uh, the, who, who happen to be in, in Mark's backyard. So he knows that organization very well. Um, he said the Mavericks and Lakers should both be expected to be suitors in this. So if Stein tweets that you can take it to the bank. So you mentioned earlier about Kyrie and Durant, how like Durant sees something in Kyrie that no one else sees. It seems like LeBron feels the same way. And I just noticed even through, you know, Kyrie Irving's controversial takes on COVID, a lot of people were back in a regard. Now, what is, what do people see in Kyrie that, that you keep seeing the top players in this league take chances on him when, you know, fans and journalists like yourself that cover this league extensively see all these red flags, but yet, you know, in spite of his you know, baggage, they still want to take extra chances on this guy. I don't really get it. Well, he's an amazing basketball player, is, so you can start sure. with that. And I think as, as, as on a day-to-day basis, as a personality, I think I think guys are – I think he's, he's got a certain magnetism to him. You know, there, there's definitely a charisma to, to Kyrie Irving on a, on a personal level that I think attracts guys. And I think, yeah, players – by and large support him. And we even saw it in the wake of the controversy earlier this season, where generally speaking, like nobody, you know, if a, if a player had tweeted something similar about a variety in a variety of other demographics, they would have been condemned by everybody. And the players all stuck up for him um, because I, I, I think they give him the benefit of the doubt in large part. And I think they, they just, they, they like Kyrie. Um, I would distinguish the Kevin Durant and LeBron James versions of this in that, Durant and Kyrie are good friends off the court who decided they wanted to play together. I don't think LeBron and Kyrie Irving are friends. I think they were good uh, co-stars in Cleveland. And I think LeBron recognizes that Kyrie has a skill set that fits well with him. Um, There's a track record there. There's a a comfort level in that, even if you might have some reservations about Kyrie and, and on the court or off, LeBron already knows what all those are. He's navigated all that before for three years. And so it makes sense to me. And besides that, look, basic matter of of just basketball reality, basketball physics here. Kyrie Irving's a better fit next to LeBron James than Russell Westbrook, and it's not even close. Mm. Um, And he he would provide so much that the Lakers need. Shot making um, from every from every level skill you know playmaking obviously um and an ability to stretch the floor ability to to alleviate some of lebron's playmaking and then also you know be able to play off lebron in a way that's productive because he can hit those shots that russell westbrook cannot um and so i I think it it like Kyrie makes sense next to lebron and i think lebron recognizes like lebron's just a pragmatist in kevin durant's case it's personal in lebron's case it's professional Good distinction there. Um, I want to shift to LeBron James because at the time of recording this podcast, he is 63 points away from breaking that iconic Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scoring record, becoming the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Can you talk about, I mean, this is a record that naively, I guess, I didn't think 
I would see broken <laughs> uh, after going through the 90s era of basketball growing up watching that. I don't know. I just thought that record was untouchable when Michael Jordan didn't pass it, I guess. Um, but looking at this now, can you talk about the magnitude of breaking this record? And do you feel like LeBron is getting his due for reaching this milestone? Those are both really tough to answer and a lot harder to answer than, than you might think. Um, I, I mean, I think there's, there's plenty of energy and coverage around this and excitement, I think around this. And now that it looks like it's like, he's certainly going to make, he's going to pass Kareem in LA. They've got two straight home games after a road game in new Orleans on Saturday. And so it's almost certain that he's going to break the record at home, which adds a whole other layer there, right? Like the excitement would be the regardless, even if this were happening in new Orleans, Atlanta, wherever, it'll be bigger in LA. And plus, you know, LA, you know, this is the built-in advantage of all the celebrities already go anyway. And there'll be that Mm. many more probably clamoring for tickets. Uh, Good luck getting them. Um, (laughs) It'll be a big deal and it will rightfully be a big deal. And I think LeBron's getting plenty of credit for it. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to gauge those things. But when people say, ah, is this person getting enough credit too much? The right amount. Like, sure. How do we, how do we even measure that? And I don't, I don't watch most of the uh, debate shows. So I, I couldn't tell you how they're talking about this. Um, I, I think in conversations with people around the NBA, like it's universal. Everybody's just in awe of what he's been able to do. Um, Because this, this is, as some people have said, this is as much a longevity record as it is a talent or production record, right? Like a lot of guys have been great scorers for seven years, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, 20, 20. (laughs) And still performing at an all NBA level. Like there's so many aspects of this that just, just are, are mind blowing. And um, I think people who were there in 84 to witness Kareem breaking the record. And I've talked to some of those folks. I think they all, they were all of two minds on this in the moment. They thought, man, no one's ever breaking this. Look what Kareem's done. Guys don't make it this deep into a career and Kareem was not quite at 20 years then, but he was, you know, he was on his way to 20. And, um, and I think people at the time thought no one's going to be able to put together a career of this much production over this many years again. But 1984 was a much different world than we live in now in terms of sports science and nutrition and training and all these things. So you can think of it as conceptually possible. And a lot of people I talked to again, said things to the effect of, Hey, you know, every record is going to be broken at some point. Maybe not Wilt's 100, but the you know the general generally feel the general philosophy is you should never say never. Um, sure. But that said, like you cannot in 1984 or in 94, even you could not have imagined a player who looked like LeBron physically, played like LeBron, and could last as long as LeBron. Like you just none of us should smack ourselves for thinking this wasn't possible. Who could have conceived of this guy? Mm-hmm. Like. Um, He's, he's out of, you know, a comic book or, or a lab. Like you, you just can't imagine that the human brain can't, can't conceive of that, especially if we're talking about through the prism of, of 1984. So um, it is, it is amazing. It's remarkable. And and on top of that, we have to remember he's not done. <laughs> like <Yeah>. The guy, <laughs> the guy's going to play at least a couple more years or more while waiting for, you know, Bronny Jr. to arrive. And who knows how many thousands of more points he's going to tack on. And at that point, we're all going to do the same exercise. Mm-hmm. Well, LeBron's retiring with 8 billion points. <laughs> Is this now the most unbreakable record? And at that point, I think we're all probably going to look around and say, yeah, I know Kareem's was supposed to be unbreakable, but this one really is. 
right? Like that's, if somebody asks me in a few years and they will, um, <laughs> or 10, 20 years from now, and I'm retired and on a porch somewhere drinking lemonade and someone calls me up and says, Hey, I heard you used to cover the NBA and you were around when LeBron broke that record. Is everybody ever going to break it again? I'm saying, hell no. <laughs> you know, like it's just, it still seems just beyond belief. Well put. Um, with the Lakers, of course, LeBron's current team, um, and and what has happened ever since they won that title in 2020, um, you know, you've you've touched on the Lakers quite a bit with with your work. You have a lot of insight there. Do you get the sense behind the scenes there is regret for how they've handled things with LeBron? Because you also alluded to earlier, like those two coveted Lakers picks that yeah. it seems like from where I'm sitting, like you're not going to get criticized super hard as an organization if you go all in and you can back up on we have lebron james we went all in to try to get titles while we had lebron james but there is this hesitancy to you know spin those picks potentially even to get like kyrie irving to try and pair that together um you know hypothetically of course but question being do you think there is regret about the last two years or where do you think they are in terms of trying to maximize while lebron is on the team um, so this is a sensitive topic for, for the Lakers, uh, and their front office and their overall hierarchy. It's a very sensitive topic. Um, they, they made some decisions. They made some bad bets. They made some assumptions and the facts are the facts. Um, they missed the playoffs last season. They could still miss the playoffs this season. If they miss the playoffs a couple of years in a row and, and it'll have been what three times in however many years that LeBron's been there, like that's a failure of the organization. I know LeBron's been hurt for some of that too. I know that LeBron has a hand in a voice in personnel, but we don't let organizations off the hook for this stuff by saying, Oh, well, this guy pushed for this. You know what? Kobe Bryant once upon a time demanded the Lakers trade him and they decided not to, not to listen to him, True. not to bow to their stars wishes. No, you're staying. And then they won another couple championships. Like, LeBron was in Miami for four years. I'm sure he had all kinds of things he would have liked Pat Riley to do. And Riley said, no, we're, we're running the show and thank you for your input. And even in Cleveland, yeah, they traded some future picks for some immediate help, but that was the practical, obvious, logical thing to do if you wanted to win championships or at least the one that they did and then go to the finals every year as part of the bargain. And if it doesn't work out, you, you suck it up as an organization and you take the bullets for it because that's the deal. You either say yes to LeBron, we're going to get we're going to get you Westbrook because you want him, or you say no and you deal with it. They decided to get Westbrook. That's still on them. If people want to say it's on LeBron too, fine. I, I don't I don't have a problem with that that stance. But the organization makes the deals. They literally make the deals. LeBron does not literally make the deals. LeBron did not decide to let Alex Caruso walk over luxury tax concerns. Um, LeBron didn't wasn't the one who you know decided to basically blow up the team that helped him win a championship in 2020. So this this is absolutely on the Lakers hierarchy first and foremost, even if LeBron should bear some percentage of responsibility. The bottom line is if you have a player of his caliber, and I'll apply the same standard to the Warriors and, and Steph right now too. Like, what are you what are you doing hanging on to these young players? They are not, they're, you know, I don't know if they're the bridge to your future or not. I don't know if they're gonna extend the dynasty or not. I just know that they're not helping enough right now. And if you can trade them for immediate help to get Steph back to the finals, you should do that. Like I, I'm consistent on this across 
the board. Um, the Nets should do the same for Kevin Durant. If you've got an all-time great, especially in his late prime, when you don't have many years of, of him at an, at an all-NBA level left to play with, your obligation is to do everything possible to, to get them deep in the playoffs every year and give them a chance to win championships. So the Lakers have failed in that regard. That's just a basic fact. That's not, you know, I, I don't think that's a hot take. I don't think that's hyperbole. Yeah. I don't think that's unfair to anybody. It's, it, it's, it's just what it is. It's their responsibility as an organization to build the best team possible. They have not done so. Uh, whether they can remedy that for this season over the next several days, we'll see. Howard, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Please let our viewers and listeners know where you can find your work as well as where they can find you on social media as well. Yeah, no, thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Uh, all my writing is on si.com. Uh, I also have what's called an authory page. Uh, that's like author with a Y on the end. And you can find uh, on my authory page everything I've uh, uh, written for SI and previous stops at Bleacher Report and New York Times. Um, social media, primarily Twitter at Howard Beck. Although uh, for the adventurous souls, you can find me on uh, Mastodon, you can find me on Post. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, which, uh, is where you guys have found me. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, primarily Twitter and, uh, and SI.com. And, uh, of course folks should uh, check us out on, uh, myself and Chris Mannix out on the crossover podcast. So there you go. Awesome. Thanks Howard very much. Appreciate it. Thanks guys. Thanks. What's called an authory page. Uh, that's like author with a Y on the end. And you can find uh, on my authory page everything I've uh, uh, written for SI and previous stops at Bleach Report and New York Times. Um, social media, primarily Twitter at Howard Beck. Although uh, for the adventurous souls, you can find me on uh, Mastodon. You can find me on Post. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, which uh, is where you guys have found me. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, primarily Twitter and uh, at SI.com. And uh, of course, folks should uh, check us out on uh, myself and Chris Mannix out on the crossover podcast. So there you go. Awesome. Thanks, Howard, very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks.